0: You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are your hosts, Evie McLeod and Lindsay Roman. I'm going to tell you right off the bat, don't you dare skip this episode. Don't stop in the middle and never finish it. Listen to this whole thing because today's guest is going to wreck your heart in the best way possible. Today, we are losing our minds grateful to have the incredible Bob Goff on the show. Bob Goff, if you're not already familiar with him, is the author of the New York Times best-selling books *Love Does*, *Everybody Always*, and *Dream Big*. He is the honorary consul of the Republic of Uganda, an attorney, and the founder of Love Does, a nonprofit human rights organization operating in Uganda, India, Nepal, Iraq, and Somalia. He is a lover of balloons, cake pops, and helping people pursue their big dreams. You can typically find Bob writing and taking calls from his boat, welcoming people in his Southern California retreat center at the Oaks or at an event speaking. Now today, we bring a list of questions to Bob that were submitted by you, our listeners. We cover everything from how to have powerful, healthy relationships to how to know how to set healthy boundaries in life versus how to love others through availability and how to find discernment in what to say yes to. The conversation just kept going with how to invite Jesus into your dreams, Bob's advice on how small businesses can love and bless others, and how to maintain your whimsy when the world just feels heavy and hard. This episode is so full of life overflowing with love and truth, and we promise will be an episode you'll want to repeat to actually catch all the wisdom given by Bob today. Speaking of giving, Bob even shares a San Quentin prison cheesecake recipe for you in between all the truth bombs. If you are ready to get a jolt of joy and passion back into your life, you are in the right place. Let's get started with today's conversation. You're listening to the Heart & Hustle Podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Hart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, cause here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay.
1: Bob, welcome to the Heart and Hustle podcast. It is an honor to have you here. Yeah,
2: thank you. This is good stuff. Glad to be with you too.
1: So yeah, fun. We, we are stoked beyond words. I know our audience is stoked beyond words. And I told you this before we started recording, but just so everyone knows, um, we announced when Bob was going to be on, or well, when we were going to interview him. And we asked you guys, our listeners, questions to ask him. So all of the questions today are from you. Well, most of the questions are from you. We still wanted to <laughs> add in a little a we bit. We put in our two cents as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we're excited to uh, dive deep. So, Bob, First off, just most of our listeners probably know who you are, but we would love to hear a little bit of your story from your own mouth. So, mouth. so please introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about your story, who you are and what you do.
2: Yeah. So I'm just Bob. I'm not Robert. <laughs> I'm not, I'm just Bob. I think my parents were trying to make it pretty easy for me. Um, <laughs> and then I'm a sweet Maria Goff's husband. I am Lindsay Richard and Adam's dad. I am Charlie and Henry's grandpa. Um, And so identifying ourselves not by what credentials we have or things, but the people that you love. I've got a rich group of friends around me that have got my back. Some of them are in prison. Uh, Some of them are in politics and ought to be in prison, I suppose. But, uh I've got a rich group of people that love me really well and are great examples. I'm just trying to be worthy of that kind of unmerited love.
0: Mm, I love that that's amazing. I feel like you instantly the minute you start talking, Bob, you can feel just the the grace and the anointing and you know the power you have on your life around relationships and love and and friendships and everything. So I'm really excited for this episode. I know it's going to bless Lindsay and I, and I know it's going to bless our listeners as well. So we are going to dive straight in to some of the questions from our listeners. So the first one, if you're ready, is from Sarah. And she asked, when did you know that you would write books and how did you start?
2: Yeah, I was a lawyer by training and I'd been a trial lawyer. And you usually think of lawyers as like having this attitude and kind of (laughs) being jerks and all that. But I was just like a happy guy. And I uh, never lost a case. Is that crazy?
0: Wow, that's impressive. And it,
2: well, you know what? It wasn't because I was a good lawyer. I was a good picker. <laughs>
0: that's uh, amazing.
2: I only pick cases nobody could lose. Like if you guys had the case, you'd win too. That's amazing. Um, so, uh, something about like developing the inner picker in you. I loved uh, doing law because uh, I have a strong like kind of justice cord me, strong Enneagram 8. Um, but I also... Um, wanted to just be helpful to people. And at some point I realized I'm just helping really wealthy people uh, trade dollars. Uh, Mm. What I wanted to do is uh, make an impact that might be a little bit more lasting. And so my kids were like six, eight, and 10 at the time. And I was seeing kids that are those age just being bought and sold in mm-hmm. some of these developing countries. And it just takes mm-hmm. me off. And so I just decided to get some skin in the game. I asked a bunch of outfits if I could work for them for nothing because they were doing great things in the country and everybody said the same thing. No. Wow. That <laughs> was just good judgment on their part. I said, I didn't need a job. <laughs> I, could just, I just want to help out. So rather than getting off the scent, I just said, I'm just going to start my own thing. And we called it Love Does, and I was a pretty good lawyer, but I was better at building really expensive schools, and I couldn't pay for them. I was putting, gosh, maybe $20,000 a month against my house. Uh, just wow. to pay for this. And I thought, this is not going to work. I'm going to be living in the backseat of my Chevy. Um, <laughs> so um, so uh, right about then, a publisher said, would you write a book? I said, uh, will you build a school? Uh, and I'll trade you <laughs> one book for one school. Wow. Uh, and they said, tell me about the school. And I said, all right, 1,600 child soldiers in Uganda, 400 teachers. And they said, big school. I said, Big book.
1: <laughs> wow!
2: And I made pay me in advance because I didn't know if it would suck. And uh, and then we uh, built a school, uh, and then sold three million more books. <laughs> wow. We've just been giving away all the money. It's been so fun. Oh. So now we're in uh, Mogadishu, Somalia. We have three or four schools. Uh, we've had schools in Iraq. I've got a girls' school in Afghanistan. Two hundred and fifty little girls right now in the capital of the Taliban that are going to school. And you know why? We asked the Taliban, let our girls go back to school. And, and it was like we did this jet, I think, because they said yes. So this uh, faith isn't for everybody. It's a big deal for me. And I would understand why it would be uh, not a big deal for others, people. But there's a verse in Ephesians 3, 20, and it says, that God will do immeasurably more than you could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. And I think our problem isn't that we imagine too much, is we imagine too little. Like, why wouldn't you just walk in and just say, let my girls go back to school and then have them say yes. And I don't know. I want us to do that. And forget going across an ocean. Mm -hmm. Go across the street. Go find Mm -hmm. one of your neighbors who's a little creepy. (laughs) Not dangerous creepy, but just like Uh, Like, still working on their people skills, creepy. Yes,
0: right, right. Engage them,
2: make them a pie. If they don't want the pie, I do. Um, (laughs) Yes. So I started writing books because I couldn't afford my habit of building schools. Wow. Uh, And so it works out about a really good school for a book. So we have 68 buildings uh, at that school now, 1,600 kids, maybe 200 in university. Another wow. 20 or 30 in law school. And so just chipping away at it. And again, God uh, finishes all the best parts of the scriptures say that he does this stuff so that no one would boast. But mm-hmm. if we boast, we boast about him. Yeah. Like that that doesn't make us uh the hero, it doesn't make us the victim, mm-hmm. but it does make us a participant. And mm-hmm. that's what what I think God wants participation.
0: Co laborers. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Bingo. So good. I, I could just I, you, <laughs> your voice and just seeing your face—it like radiates mm-hmm. love. And then just hearing you talk, faith, like absolute mm-hmm. faith, just to be like, yeah, let's ask the Taliban. Like, mm-hmm. why not? When as you know, most people would look at that and be like, uh, it's the Taliban. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah. I, I love that. That's so, so sorry, I Evan. Did you have? Yeah, Bob. Uh, like you were gonna say something.
0: <laughs> I would love to hear it, it. Just even hearing you just give such a, a short synopsis of. I guess not even the beginning of your story, but the beginning of this chapter of your story and, and what you've been doing for a little while now, it just all, when you were speaking to me, I just heard like, it's all so big in a good way. But I, I the question that came into my heart was, what would you say for somebody who feels like they have big dreams, but their dreams are too big?
2: Yeah, uh, I would just say like, uh, what are you measuring it against? Like, how do you calibrate those dreams. So you Mm -hmm. could say, like, I have a big dream for a really terrific relationship. Um, And so you calibrate it against all the bad relationships you've had. You'd feel like that's too big. But then you get around some people that have actually experienced good relationships, and you go like, wow, it actually doesn't seem like it's too big anymore. It actually looks accessible. And so I would find people that aren't encumbered by all the limiting beliefs that you might have. And we come by and really uh, honestly, like that we are eight years old and something really wonky happens in our life. And uh, maybe your parents split up, maybe something, and you develop this a uh, thought because you don't have the tools to deal with it. And you uh, make up a story that everyone is going to leave me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not true, of course, but at eight years old, you don't have the tools to deal with that. Well, then you make rules to support the story you made up, which mm-hmm. is that everyone's going to leave me. And the rule that you make up is I'm not going deep with anyone. Why? Because the story is everyone's gonna leave me. It'd be just too painful if I really went deep and they're gonna leave anyway. And so then we make the scaffolding around the rule, which is our life. And then you wake up and you're 35, you haven't experienced deep relationships, Because you made up a story that everybody's going to leave, then you made up a rule that I'm not going deep. You're surrounded by shallow relationships and say, it would be too big for me to dream of a really awesome, meaningful relationship. Uh, And I just want to see it so you can understand it, so you can Mm -hmm. bring it to Jesus to fix it. So I want to see it. What was the story that you made up? Everyone will leave. Uh, What was the rule that you made around that? Don't go deep with anybody. And so then to uh, this verse in Philippians to make your requests known to God. But this is a God that says, I know it before you ask for it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so I think the idea is to make it known to yourself so you can Mm -hmm. make it known to him. Instead of saying, I want to be happy. That's awesome. Me too. Say like, what does happy look like? Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's just talk about, does that mean make a million dollars? Would that do it? How about two? Uh, How about give away four? like i don't know what it is but let's just drill down on what the underlying impediments are so we know like what it really is so you can do something about it and i would say using that example about relationships said i'm dreaming too big for that i bet if you got around with some people that really were getting authentic in their relationships you wouldn't think that was too big anymore yeah. like, get around a bunch of people that are freedom fighters uh, in Afghanistan that are, uh, your age and, and are, uh, I can't give you the name of the organization, but the, but they are all about, uh, freeing Afghanistan, uh, from Taliban rule, get around them. You don't think you're a big idea. You don't think it's a big idea to walk in. <laughs> mm-hmm. It doesn't seem so big because you see what they're doing You go like, yikes.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so I want to make, uh, what is normative in our life and not the average of the three most insecure people we know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Well, Sometimes
2: (laughs) we just kind of dumb it down to like, is that okay? Is that okay? Is that okay?
1: Absolutely. I'm hearing from you to kind of, make sure that the people that you're spending most time with around you are also dreamers all are, are also like big vision casters I think I think that's just a, such a good point for our listeners to think about like who they're hanging out with who they're dreaming with and and really encourage other people around you to go after those big dreams too. so I love and that you
2: can have a, a rich mix of people like sweet Maria Goff uh, she's not spending her days doing that her days are around me Lindsay, Richard Adam. Uh, and everybody they married and Mm -hmm. everybody they made. That is her beginning, middle and end of everything she's interested in Mm -hmm. right there. And beautifully. So Uh, because she's living her life that way, I can live my life this way. Uh, And so that idea of, the two becoming one. When we got married, she thought we were going to become her. (laughs) Oh, heck no. But but I'm not trying to be like her and she's not trying to be like me. Mm -hmm. We're trying to be like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to express whatever God has said, Paul talking to Timothy said to fan the flame of this unique gift that God has given you. So, man, find that flame and fan that and mm-hmm. stop tending to everybody else's fire. Just fan your flame. Oh, that's so good. Keep that's your so eyes good. on your own paper.
1: <laughs> oh man. <laughs> All right. I love it. Well, okay, we have another question from Annika. She says, "A common through line through your books is learning to live a life of love and loving no everyone no matter how hard. So with that in mind, how do you maintain personal boundaries or priorities or intentionality in relationships that matter most while still loving everyone?" I like like where does that boundary line <laughs> fall?
2: Yeah, you can make some, um, some. Um, I don't want to say like rules or boundaries, but like think of them as guardrails. Like I uh, receive probably 100 calls a day from people from the back of books. I don't make calls. <laughs> Because uh, I don't know if it's a guy or a gal, I don't know if she's 13 or he's 80, uh, <laughs> but I receive calls. I don't make calls, and then uh, with emails, I probably get two or three hundred a day, and I answer all of them uh, just because I just know what it was like when I sent somebody an email. I thought it would be really cool if they answered, and when they <laughs> do, you go like, "Wow!" And it's not <laughs> this form thing. You go like, "Wow, well, they actually answered now." Uh I, I made an exception to this idea of rule uh, of not making calls. There's a buddy of mine, Jason, and uh he said it is his Aunt Shirley's birthday. And would I please call her? Uh, and I'm like, buddy, I just don't make calls. So just have Shirley call me and I'll say, happy birthday. It'll be awesome. I said, no, she'll never call. You got to do this. I'm calling in a favor. and I'm like, okay. So I get on my happiest voice and I dial the number and it rings a couple of times and this woman answers. and said, Shirley, happy birthday. I hope this is the best day of your life. And there's no nobody says anything. I'm like Shirley, <laughs> and she said I'm putting down my dog. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're assassinating your dog, Shirley. <laughs> you're kidding me, Shirley. And and I and I and I said you're doing this on your birthday. I'm like, she said, well, he was just so dear to me. I'm like, oh my gosh. And so <laughs> here's the deal. I'm I'm so scarred by that. I'm. <laughs> Everyone do forever. (laughs) Yes. Um, So you'll have a couple wonky things that will happen along the way, Um, and the through line is love. And so when you try something, you set up a guardrail and you think about why do I do that. Um, I I don't make appointments with people because inevitably they end up getting broken. Like, and I don't want to be that guy. Um, I don't want to like say I'll do something then not do it. I just it bothers me so I just. It is the odd day that I make an appointment with somebody. Mm -hmm. Uh, Instead, what I do is here's my phone number. Here's my email address. If I can help you out, give me a shout Mm -hmm. and I'm in. But I just don't like letting people. If I was taking Sweet Marie out on a date, I would never have her wait for me. It's just never in a million years would I do that. And so I feel like appointments are those that I could have some I'm so mortified, I'm going to miss it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I would say, come up with some guardrails that really serve you. But don't be a prima donna. Just say, is this, is there a reason? What's the thing underneath the thing? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it that I'm trying to do? I want to be like irresponsibly available. I just mm-hmm. want to be like just so wildly available two in the morning, two in the afternoon. I'm just going to be the guy that says hello. I'm a pretty light sleeper. (laughs) And you never know if there's somebody that's having a really hard time. And Mm -hmm. there are people, I don't have the right initials after my name to uh, give them the kind of advice they need, but we could dial 911 together. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you know what I do when I can't get somebody to do that and there's uh, some really serious things going on. I'll say, I want you to call me at 1015 tomorrow morning. And they'd be like, how come? I'd like 10, 15 tomorrow morning. Uh, Most people, when they're really desperate, they just need a little sleep and they need something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. And so at 10, 15, I clear the decks every day on my phone. Because uh, I know there might be somebody that had called. And I just know 1015, that's holy ground, man. Take off wow. your shoes. Wow. Uh, and I think if we knew why we're doing what we're doing, if we had actually a reason behind it, you'd create some really neat boundaries. So Annika, that's a great question about like living a life of love and knowing some boundaries. But I would say to have a plan would be really good. Because if you have a hope without a plan, it's just a wish right? Mm -hmm. So you can hope for stuff. I hope I have a great relationship someday. Um, But then what's the plan? Get around people with great relationships. Get around people who know how to maintain relationships. And then it's not just a wish. Mm -hmm. It's actually your go fish where the fish are. Like, (laughs) does that
0: make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Build it, grab your grab your tackle box, grab your fishing rod, and go figure out like I think that's find it. the
2: fish. Yeah, and I think sometimes people say like, uh, "What advice do you have?" And instead of advice, everybody's got advice. They're like Priuses, opinions. <laughs> like, uh, but to say, "What's your experience?" Right. So if somebody wants to give you advice on relationships, I would say, hey, what's your experience with relationships? And relationships are tricky. Mm-hmm. And if you say, you know, I've, I've had a lot of difficulty with relationships, then I would just, that would give you some context for the advice they're giving you. If they want to give you a financial advice to say, well, what's been your experience with finances? You go like, ah, oh, gone bankrupt three times. Well, I would divide all their advice by the biggest number you can think of Uh, Mm -hmm. because they're a person that they have an opinion. They just haven't had good experiences with it. And so instead of saying, what advice do you have for this? I would say, what's your experience in that? Um, and so again, is this kind of vetting? And as you're around people that have opinions about what you ought to do with your faith, to say, what's your experience with yours? I mean, not in a confrontation, be like, hey, what's working for you? Mm-hmm. Or an even better question, not what's working for you, what's working for the people around you? Mm -hmm. Because I have a lot of people that think it's working for you, but it's not working for all the people around them. Right. Uh, And they're going to find out in about a a year, it ain't working for them.
0: (laughs) Yikes. That's true, though. I feel like that's such a good point, too, of I think it's very easy. You know, you kind of mentioned earlier, assess like your motivation or your reason for those boundaries and, you know, assessing stuff like that. I think it's really easy for us to think that a certain boundary or a certain, you know, perspective or the advice that we're giving or whatever is beneficial for the people around us, or it's even beneficial for ourselves. But realistically, I think a lot of boundaries and a lot of advice and stuff can come from places of self-preservation or, you know, unintentionally actually closing doors that could be so open in our life. But you just have to like notice around you, like, do you have a boundary up that's maybe your community isn't growing or, you know, your, your friendships aren't thriving or something like that. And it, it might be a red flag, like a warning that that boundary isn't working or those rules that you set up in place as, you know, healthy boundaries aren't actually that healthy and they're not actually working that well. So that's something I just took away of kind of out of what you just said of just notice your motivations and then notice what's actually working in your relationships.
2: And I'd also ask like, what's the thing underneath the thing? In other words. Ah, uh, you guys probably wouldn't guess this at first blush, uh, but I'm super insecure. Isn't that crazy? That's like, have like, guessed. Like, <laughs> you're the insecure guy. Like, but uh, but there's some wonky stuff that happened to me, like everybody else. Uh, and I uh, was the guy that thought everybody will leave me, mm. and so I was the guy. The way that I medicated that uh, insecurity is to just be fun. And so I thought, if I'm fun, then uh, people will be laughing, and then no one will leave me because they'll be having a good time. Um, and so to know why you're doing what you're doing, and then you can talk to yourself to say, "Hey, settle down. You don't need to be the funny guy right now. You can just yeah. be just be fully present. Be where your feet are, right there. Just you, couple friends. Don't have to worry about it. Chill out. And there's something beautiful, and you can actually take that to Jesus. You can just say."
1: Mm-hmm.
2: gosh, could you replace some of that insecurity, not with courage, but with perspective? Yeah, uh, could you so good. take, a, people think that if you're scared, you ought to get courageous. I think if you're scared, you ought to get real. You ought to get yeah. insightful. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe things that you think are selfish to take uh, some time and rest and reflect. I would say, where did that come from? Like what, just to say, what is that attached to this Puritan work ethic? Like you always need to be productive. Maybe you need to just get a puppy. (laughs) Chill (laughs) Puppies heal
1: everything, right? Life life advice (laughs) from Bob Goff. Get a puppy. (laughs)
2: Get a puppy.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, wait, can I ask a follow-up question to... Yeah, Annika's question. Because um, I can imagine some people listening to this. They're like, "Oh, wow." I mean, everyone—if if anyone's read Love Does—or or honestly, any of your books—they know that you leave your phone number in the back of your books. That you answer your phone. But my question is, when you say I don't make calls, I answer them. How do you logistically get work done if if you're like? Can I, am I allowed to say? that? like, I'm like, how do you get work done and always answer your phone from a logistical you know, question? I'm
2: just holding this up. This is how many calls have come up just while we've been talking. Oh, my These gosh. These are all from the back of the book. Like, they just, yeah. they're always coming. And there's just something beautiful about just saying hello. Because most yeah. people just want to know if it's really true.
1: Totally.
2: Um, and I don't feel guilty. I don't have voicemail. Nobody can leave a message for me because that would feel like homework. Yeah. Um, so if somebody says, Hey, will you make a video? It's my, whatever's birthday or whatever, uh, which is a really neat thing. I just say, Hey, have them give me a call. I'm happy to mm-hmm. the way better in a video. Just give me a call. And then if they want to say when they go, Oh no, 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 I don't make appointments, but that's great. If I pop to mind, give a call. If I'm available, mm-hmm. I'll answer. Uh, and I think there's just something about that. Sometimes we are trying to, uh, do not too much, but too little that were, uh, and I get it about, you know, you don't get there by works and all that, but I don't know, just a little bit of courtesy to people. Just mm-hmm. to be, It was Keith Crane. It was so long ago. He, he was one of the first contemporary Christian mm-hmm. artists and I was in my twenties, maybe 19 or 20. And I wrote to him and he wrote me back three sentences. I don't even know what the three sentences were, but <laughs> I remembered I felt like a boss. Yeah. <laughs> Keith frickin' Green yes. wrote three sentences to me. And I will, before today's done, probably answer 300 emails. And each one will have about three sentences. Because I knew what it felt like when Keith Green wrote me three sentences. And I can't even like carry a tune. Uh, but to just be available and show up, it's just such a great way to say, you know, you're valuable, you're worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, rather than, you know, having all the flowery words and 30 pound prayers and all that to just, just say hello mm-hmm. on the phone. I don't know. There's just something really beautiful about that. Yeah.
1: There is. I, I love that. I love that too, man. Okay.
0: <laughs> all right. Next question is from Ashley and she asked, how do you find discernment in your yeses? your message is simple, love people and go the extra mile for people in your life. But how do you decide when to help others and when to take relationships further?
2: Yeah, I would say it's not so much the question I used to ask is, will this work? Like you have this big idea and you're saying, will it work? And I think the the small pivot for me is, will it last? Hmm. Right? So, um, I teach at Pepperdine Law School, which still cracks me up. <laughs> this is like 15 years. Could you imagine me teaching at a top-tier law school?
0: <laughs> like everybody it.
2: passes the bar. But I, uh, but I also teach at San Quentin. Uh, and I'm telling you that last there, what is happening. And Matthew 25, it said, if you want to meet me, you got to meet them. Hungry people, thirsty people, sick people, strange people, naked people, and people in jail. And uh, he said, like, literally, I don't understand how it works. But it's if if you meet them, you met me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't mean if you meet a banker, you didn't meet Jesus. But he said, if you meet hungry, thirsty, sick, strange, naked, or people in jail. And I've really learned that these guys are the way, if you have a burner phone in prison, you get two years tacked onto your sentence uh, for a burner phone. I get these phone calls all the time <laughs> from prisoners on burner phones. You know what they want to just check in and see how i'm doing they're risking two years in jail to call me for three minutes just to see how i'm doing that's a friendship i met jesus when i met these guys and you wouldn't guess so their neck size is their waist size they are covered in tats one guy has dreadlocks he started growing them when he went in 27 years ago they are one inch from the ground. They are beautiful and nasty and all of that. Uh, And I'm just learning so much from these guys because they've got their head on a swivel. They're they're figuring out what they need. There's one guy, I can't give you his name so he doesn't get in trouble, but there's this one guy who uh, he... Uh, has a problem. And his problem is this. He doesn't like prison food. Uh, (laughs) He has a second problem. He's in for life. (laughs) Oh no! So what are you going to do? Well, he decided that he would get those little warmers, you know, that you put your coffee cup on. Uh He could figure it out how to hotwire one of those. So (laughs) it'll go hot like the surface of the sun. And and he made the night before I came uh, recently, he made quesadillas. Uh, The night before that, he had uh, pulled pork uh, burritos. He, The guy is gaining weight in prison. When he... <laughs> I asked him, what's the coolest thing you've made? He said, I made a cheesecake in my prison cell. This prison cell is just under six feet wide, seven and a half feet long. There's two guys that weigh 240 in there, a bunk bed, a toilet, a sink, and everything they own, six by seven. Is that crazy? That's
1: insane. <gasps>
2: I asked him, will you make me the recipe for prison cheesecake? This is it. Here's what you do. You got to get five cinnamon rolls from Big Texas. Big Texas is the guy that works in the mess hall. And he'll give you a cup of sugar and a half teaspoon of cinnamon in exchange for one slice of your cheesecake. Um, You need to have two cups of cream cheese to make the cheesecake. And so there's this... uh, religious order within San Quentin, they get bagels and cream cheese uh, every day. 18 of those little cream cheese shooters is two cups. (laughs) Then you need butter. And he gets the guys to all take the little square of butter that's on their plate. And they come from the hall, pick it up in their gnarly hands and bring it to him in his cell. And then you melt the butter tear up the cinnamon rolls, put in the sugar, uh, mold it into the shape of a cake. There's no utensils because you'll shank somebody. So (laughs) you mold it with your nasty hands, and then you need to chill it. You know what he has the guys do? They each get six ice cubes, and they dip their hand into their cup in the mess hall and run as fast as they can for his cell, and they all make a pile of ice over his cheesecake. I'm telling you, this is how he wrote it all out. What he did is he knew what he wanted. He figured out what was accessible to him, and he got a community in on it. And there's something beautiful. That community, they're just delighting. And here's a brother who does not like prison food. (laughs) And so... I'll just say, let's help him out. Like oh. he wants to make a cheesecake, let's hook him up. Oh I, my I gosh. love that. And you know the crazy part is, I didn't learn that at church. I learned that at St. Quentin. Yeah, yeah. That'll tell you a lot. Yeah. Oh man.
1: Calling all entrepreneurs. Are you ready for a biz boost in 2022? Tired of feeling alone or struggling to figure out this whole entrepreneur thing by yourself? Well, great, because we have your solution. We are hosting an in-person business conference in Nashville, Tennessee on April 25th through 28th, 2022. And this isn't your traditional boring corporate like conference either. I mean, do you even know Evie and I? (laughs) Yes. The Heart conference is a
0: place for creative business owners and dreamers of all kinds to come together, experience community, learn business and marketing strategies that will help you grow and scale your business, all while having the frigging best time of your life. (laughs) So get ready to be empowered in your business and life so you can go out and break down every barrier that is holding you back from achieving your goals. All right, and listen to our speaker lineup. Legit. All right, we have Jordan Lee Dooley, Paige Griffith of The Legal Page, Zim Flores, Angie Lee, as well as Lindsay and myself, and our keynote speaker, Donald Miller of freaking story brand. Like,
1: yes. Yeah. So basically, are you like ready to explode your business and build community in just three days? Because if so, it's time to learn some hardcore marketing and sales strategies that will grow your business beyond what you could ever imagine. Get paid to do what you love, speak to the heart of your ideal client, nip that feeling of loneliness in the bud, connect with a community of like-minded creative entrepreneur besties, receive over 12 hours of hardcore business education, dance your pants off at our heart dance party, and listen to seven industry leaders teach you everything they know. Yeah, it's a lot in just three days. Buzz gonna be good. (laughs) If you are ready to give your
0: business a jumpstart in 2022 and lead in your business empowered, come join us at the Heart Conference. You can find out more at theheartuniversity.com forward slash conference. Hey friend, are you a hat girl like us? Well, if you've ever seen a photo of us, pretty much ever, we are almost always wearing a hat on because we love accessorizing any outfit and making it cuter with a good hat. Like, literally, add any hat to any
1: outfit, and it is a thousand times cuter and better. So if you've ever seen us wearing a hat, I can guarantee you it was 100% a Gigi Pip hat. In fact, the hats we're wearing in this podcast cover... Yeah, they're Gigi Pip. Gigi Pip is inspired by women who wear many hats and their quality and style is literally insane. It's why we choose them over any hat company because their styles are so cute and their quality is next level. We love them to death. So if you want to grab a hat yourself, we have a little treat for you. You can shop Gigi Pip
0: hats using the link in the show notes to receive free shipping with our code Heart and Hustle. That's all lowercase and with no spaces.
1: If you're ready to see your confidence boosted and look cute as heck, grab a Gigi Pip hat today. So
0: I do not know what
2: Ashley's question was, but that was the first thing that came to mind.
1: (laughs) I love it. It, I think pretty much answered it. It was how to find discernment in what you say yes to, which is... I mean,
2: and that guy said yes, said yes to cheesecake. Yes to cheesecake. That's the answer. Yeah, in Sunday school, the answer was always supposed to be Jesus. Like the answer is really cheesecake. And Jesus. Always, there we go. always,
1: always. Theologically correct answer from yes. Bob God. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, well, let's go on to Lydia's question. Lydia asks, how do you invite Jesus to be a part of your dreams? I love that question.
2: Yeah, there's a a great verse, it's Hebrews 11, one that springs to mind. And it says that faith is this, it's confidence in what you're hoping for and assurance in what you haven't seen. Um, And so this idea, Lydia, what a great question to say, how do you invite him into your dreams? First of all, you need to know what you're hoping for. Uh, just say, this is what I'm hoping for. I want, you know, uh, if you want a Porsche, I don't know, whatever, get to. But but what if you're hoping for a meaningful life? That'll last. That has shelf life. Mm-hmm. What if you said, I want a couple devoted friends? What about this? I want to be a devoted friend. Um, mm-hmm. What I want to do is find somebody who's hurt and maybe not the cool kid's table, because Jesus, you'll never find him there. I'm going to find the kid's table, because you will always find him there. Maybe what I'm going to do is not find uh, affirmation from like validation from other people agreeing with me. But this kind of like this deep sense of joy by reading the scripture and then doing something about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like hungry, thirsty, sick, strange, naked, people in jail. I'm going to try to find one person I can encourage. Kind of like the way that Paul talked to Timothy when he said that the only thing that matters is your faith expressed in love. So I just think if you found uh, that, uh, Lydia, what you do is you'd find an access. There'd be these on-ramps to your faith. Uh, You'd find on-ramps to these big, beautiful dreams that God's given you. Think of the dreams as these beautiful hopes. And even though you haven't seen it yet, that you have confidence in what might emerge.
0: Mm, I love that. That's beautiful. Ah, so good. All right, Sunny asked, what are the most common ways that you personally hear God's voice?
2: I don't. I've yet to hear it. <laughs> no, really, I've asked him. Like, talk to me. Do they have one sentence, like a word, I'll buy a vowel, anything.
0: <laughs> I'll Prick buy a vowel. It.
2: I'm 62 and <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Um, wow. But I think this whole underlying idea that God doesn't pass us notes, he gives us each other. Right, mm-hmm. so I see the two of you uh, in the Zoom call, and I see your joy, and I see that you're leading people with love, and I just go like that is uh, kind of where I hear God's voice. Another way I do it is uh, by just reading what scriptures. You know, this I'm holding this up, uh, but uh, it's a it's called a cookbook Bible. Have you ever heard of those? I have not. Yeah, yeah. So cookbook Bible, they made them in the 1950s. Uh, I looked for three years before I could find a cookbook Bible. It's from a guy uh, named J.B. Phillips. he, He wrote it in World War II during the bombings that Germany was doing on the UK, the only Bible you were allowed to read from was the King James. And nobody could make up or down about it. So he sat inside a bunker for the the balance of World War II, and he just wrote it in plain language. It was the first version of a, like, you know, living Bible or some of the translations. It was J.B. Phillips. He just felt like he wanted to make the scriptures accessible. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, uh, I write books. I don't put Bible verses in them uh, because I'm not writing a book for John Piper. I mean, he's hooked up. I'm not writing a book (laughs) for a second year seminary student. I want to write a book for a guy at a tire store, the guy that's Mm -hmm. church adjacent, the person Mm -hmm. that actually wouldn't go to church. They're not mad at church. They just don't like the people that are in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for those people, I want them to know that they're welcome. Um, I don't know if you've ever been invited somewhere that you weren't welcome. You feel mm-hmm. like, we're so glad you're here. <laughs> right? yep. That's just Tuesday for me. Somebody actually actually asked me, are you watering down the gospel? And I'm like, Oh, I hope so. Because uh, <laughs> I just want to make it for thirsty people. Yeah. And if you're not thirsty, the gospel's not for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what I want to do is be scripturally accurate. Uh, uh, But what I want to do is I want to do it in a way that people actually understand. I want to take a page right out of J.B. Phillips, Mm -hmm. like Bunker Bible. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so the way to hear God's voice, read scripture, Mm -hmm. because you know about that. Like, if your worldview is that the scriptures are the uh, voice of God, then it might sound a lot like you, uh, but if you read what the scriptures say, that is what God thinks about things. Now, that doesn't mean that that's the end of it, uh, but you can dig a little deeper to say, how does that intersect what's going on? I'm not just saying that there's new revelations. That would be beyond my theological ability to uh, <laughs> tease out. But but to just say, what I want to do is to say those things and make them really practical. Here's Jesus, the smartest theologian ever to walk the, the face of the earth. He points at two sheep, and he says, uh, it's kind of like when one of those gets away. And mm-hmm. everybody goes, I hate that when that happens, right? He just said that. Matthew 15 says he never spoke to anybody without telling him a story. I know why, because people remember stories. I don't care how many boats are floating in the Sea of Galilee. I don't care how long it is, and I don't care how wide it is. I just want to know the truth of the scripture. And what happens sometimes is we get loaded full of information, kind of like a butterball turkey with that little red thing pops out. <laughs> yes. Like I, my red thing popped out. I'm done with information. What I want is Jesus. Well, that's it. I don't want a bunch of fluff around it. I just want the Jesus part. <laughs> oh, so I would say in answer uh, uh, to Sunny's question, uh, you want to hear God's voice, uh, keep taking a deep dive into scripture. And oh, I think God. what you'll do is you'll find... Uh, a sense of God's voice on that. Mm.
1: Okay. I also love what you said about how your books aren't necessarily, you don't put Bible verses in your books. I think there is something to be said about putting the gospel in something without overtly putting it in there just by what, how, who you are, what you do, what you write. I, I absolutely love that. And I, I see that in your life. And I think a lot of our listeners do too, um, just because I think it is, it is hard when you're trying to shove someone over the edge or, or shove like the gospel down their throat when they don't want to hear it, you know? Yeah, I really like that.
2: Uh, there's this beautiful moment in Matthew 15, Simon Peter, like, who do you say I am? And he said, well, like some people say you're a teacher. And Jesus was. Uh, and some say you're a prophet. And he was all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, but I say you're God. And Jesus turns to him and he says, uh, don't tell anybody Mm. which is blows the minds of all the evangelicals i don't think it's to keep it a secret i think it's show people don't Mm -hmm. tell people uh the next verse it says this flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you but the spirit of god Mm. so i think the pressure is off it isn't because i'll say something dazzling or you'll say something witty or you'll close the deal for baby jesus He's out of the crib. Read Revelations. (laughs) What we need to do is just know that it's going to be the Spirit of God that will let people know who Jesus is. Mm. What we need to do is understand and access this for ourselves so we can actually know and parse out what's true from Mm -hmm. which it sounds right. Because a lot of things sound right. I hear things all day long that sound right. 5,000 advertisements each one of us get every day right? And they all sound right to me. I want to use the <laughs> dip soap and have my fingers soft and supple. Uh, like I want to get the, the, you know, good looking car and then my hair won't be as gray, evidently. Um, I want to deal with this thing, but I'm trying, I think those are just not true. Yeah. That ain't true. That ain't going to stuff that's going to last. Mm-hmm. A devoted friend, There's a friend of mine, I'm not going to tell you the university. He's the president of a major, major university. There's a kid who has wanted to go to that university for a really, really long time. Do you know what he did yesterday? He got on a plane uh, on the West Coast. He flew as far as you can to the East Coast. He walked up to her door and knocked. He had himself dressed as a, a delivery service. Uh, and he said, is this girl here? Uh, she answers the door. Uh, he's got her admission to the university. He hand-delivered it. This is the oh. president of a massive, top-tier university. He flew across the country to hand-deliver her acceptance. That, was, that is Jesus. Oh. Yeah. You know, that just blows my mind. I hear that. And they were both just giggling. And the funny thing is I know them both and they independent of each other told me what happened.
0: <laughs> my, so you got two parts of the story. Is,
2: my phone is blowing up. So I've got all the videos from him saying, Bob, I'm pulling off this caper. This is going to blow her mind. And then I've got the other end of it from the blow her mind version. <laughs> oh, that is Isn't amazing. that neat? So that kind of selfless act of love Uh, this extravagance of love that we're not efficient in the way that we love people. I'm telling you, if there was ever anybody that for any of your listeners, if there's some guy and you're a woman and he's being efficient in the way that he loves you uh, send them packet because no, really that's a guy that's playing JV ball. And if he wants to play in the majors, what he needs to do is realize that love is sacrifice and commitment. Mm. Uh, That's a you, word. Yeah, you just can't get like this dime store love. Uh, if it isn't sacrificing commitment, it ain't love. Mm. And if love has an agenda, it ain't love, it's a program.
0: Wow. And I don't
2: want programs. Jesus doesn't need them. He didn't have any.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, so... Oh, well, I think we've answered Sonny's question.
1: I love it. <laughs> oh, so, so good. Wow. So wow. Wow. I'm so enjoying this conversation. All right, moving on. Courtney asks, how can, this is kind of, a lot of our listeners are small business owners. So she asks, how can a small business make a big impact in the lives of their clients or their community or the world? Do you have any practical tips or advice there?
2: Yes, make a ton of money. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, yes, yes.
2: We're just about make that. scads of it invent medicine. Like, <laughs> I don't know, but uh, that idea of then do things that are just beautiful and sending your kids to college and not making them pay student loans is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting braces for your kids is beautiful, serving the poor is beautiful. So, it isn't this kind of thing. Well, I just like kind of looking down at your feet and your hands in your pocket to say, Well, I make a lot of money, but do beautiful things and yeah. you'll know it when you mm-hmm. are in there just to be like courageous with it. So I'm on team, like uh I, I don't see this like kind of I've heard people say like tent making ministry and all that. And if I was Paul, I'd make North Face tents. I'd make <laughs> mountain hardware. I wouldn't yes. make some sometimes. That's just a, an excuse for a crappy tent yeah That well it's my tent making ministry i'm like do awesome things with excellence Mm -hmm. like philippians as unto the lord
0: yeah
2: and then just live a sacrificial sacrificial committed life yeah and you'll know what to do with it
0: it'll be awesome
2: with love does we have the opportunity to help people like just give away their money Uh, we we're busy giving away other people's money we don't need any money don't send us any (laughs) (laughs) no really i don't we're what we're doing is we're trying to help these people that are already decided what they're going to do. We're like a concierge. How can I help Like you want to go? I'll just put things we'll start this school in Bethlehem. Is that awesome wow, or what? That's amazing. So we'll start this January 13th. We cut the ribbon uh, and that's just somebody that wanted to do something beautiful. And it sounded like a good idea. And I had a friend and like, let's do it. Wow. so I would say uh, to think of big beautiful legacy things for your family like the, the what you want to be remembered for and mm-hmm. and nobody needs to see your face or name up on a building but to just say gosh that was something um that was something that was really beautiful I actually learned a little bit more about my faith I learned a little bit more about even how messy it can be can get. I've tried things that didn't work. And um, I didn't think it was because God was mad at me. I just tried and didn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't like exaggerate the losses. I don't exaggerate the victories. I just try to keep showing up. So I would say to that small business owner, just be uh, strategic. Uh, start thinking of your job like I thought of being a lawyer is fundraising. So mm-hmm. if I'm sitting down taking somebody's deposition, I'm like, I'm fundraising. If I make cupcakes, <laughs> people would die. Uh, but <laughs> I can write a book and a typo or two, everybody's fine.
0: <laughs> no one dies from a typo. <laughs> no. I love that. It's so good. All right. Next question is from Robin. And she asked, how do you maintain your whimsy when the world is so hard and sad at times? I get us
2: feeling all of it instead of saying, I just want to bracket it and feel from this to this emotion. Like, so if it's like between happy and ecstatic, I'm totally good. And I don't want to do the other one. That would just, uh, wouldn't seem like an authentic life. Mm-hmm. Um, so that said, to feel the full range of emotion, uh, but to do it in an emotionally healthy way. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried death penalty cases against witch doctors who sacrifice kids. Now that's pretty heavy stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, but I don't, live a heavy life. If we're trying the case, we're definitely focused. And I'm, I want every witch doctor to know, you touch a kid, it's over forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll just never be seen again. And I just feel like God loves kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I think we can have gears, but you don't need to assume the role that you're the guy that's Mr. Justice or the really intense person I think I love that we all have like gears that we can be tickling g- grandkids and looking at sunsets. Do you guys know what time the sunset where you are?
1: Before we started this interview it was at like five for me yeah but I'm in I'm in yeah. so like 450 it's like yeah. right now
0: here <laughs> Four,
2: 442 in San Diego um I just know what time the sun sets and I aim to not miss many. And so that would be an example of like maintaining whimsy in the middle Mm -hmm. of some really heavy stuff that's going on in people's lives. Mm -hmm. Um, I just know 4.42 and you know what? Tomorrow it'll probably be about 4.41 because it tends to change a minute every two days. So uh, that would be a way to just be aware of the other things that are also happening.
1: Yeah, focus on the good, even if there's bad around you. Yeah, great question, Robin. Awesome. Well, that, uh, covers the, uh, like our audience questions. And then we just have a couple of our own to wrap up. Um, although actually we already talked about your phone number in the back of the book, so we'll skip that question. We've got <laughs> <Yes. to> that. <laughs> Um, so my next question is if you could do anything over in your life, what would it be? Or I would you would do have... anything over
2: in Yeah, your yeah. Life? I think I would have, uh, there's a couple things that I've tried that didn't work. I probably would have not, uh, done those. It wasn't like, uh, I was aiming to not have it work. I bought a house in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill. Uh, and I just wanted these people that were running our government to get along. And we didn't put a name on it like a Chris Tomlin song. It was just like a house. <laughs> it was across the street from the Supreme Court. is that crazy? Wow. For years and years, it got operated. I didn't want to go meet these guys. I'm I'm kind of apolitical. But it just made sense. I had a docent there who made lunches for people, and they came. And it wasn't to do fundraisers or anything. It was just to be together. Wow. And each of these branches of government would uh, go. And then something changed, and uh, everybody stopped coming because a couple crazy things happened uh, several blocks away. And uh, and so the real estate market had crashed at that time. It was It was like decimated. And I sold it. I got creamed. Like, I I lost so much money. And we were not like sitting on bags of money, like for furniture. Like, (laughs) I didn't have it. It was just a great idea. Would I do that again? Heck no. (laughs) But here's the deal. I want to fail trying. I don't want to fail watching. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people that are failing watching. And, uh, and so I would say, just get some skin in the game. Give it a whirl. Would I do that differently? Yes. I wouldn't have lost tons of money. <laughs> but you know what? At the volume of things I want to try, I don't know if the school in Bethlehem will work. Um, but I'm going to fail trying. Like, yeah. let's just see what will happen. I and to some that. people I'm talking about, the school is in Israel. Other people I'm talking to, it's in occupied Palestine. Mm-hmm. So depending on who you're talking to, read the room. I would be better at reading the room at an earlier age, like to be sensitive to the way that people are perceiving and who they love and how they love them and not making assumptions about these things and then not being quick to to just call balls and strikes because we're not umpires, we're base coaches. Mm -hmm. We like, we help people to run their race. That's not going loose on doctrine. It's going big on
1: Jesus.
0: Mm, So good. Uh, Well, you may have already answered this on one of your other questions, Bob, but what is the biggest lesson you've learned in life and wish that you had known when you were younger?
2: I I think I learned that it'll work. There's Mm -hmm. quite a few things that'll work that just doesn't, you wouldn't think they'd work, but it works. Uh, We bought a retreat center. Uh, There's this outfit called Young Life, and they put one of their camps up for sale. And I thought it was nuts. I'd be like, you're going to sell the camp? Uh, so I bought it. <laughs> I and then COVID happened. Well, the camp is shut down and the bank wants to get paid. I'm like rats. Uh, so I looked across uh, from the camp. There was a valley. And in the valley, there was a barn. And around the barn, there was these big fields. So I got the, the fields and the barn. There's a racetrack there. Now, I don't know anything about horses. I wouldn't know what end to put the hay in. But <laughs> I thought... Like I'm gonna get, get the barn and the fields and the track, and we're gonna raise horses there. Now this is a guy. The only experience I had with horses put a nickel in at the grocery store <laughs> and rock back and forth a little bit. But because we had a barn and a field, somebody said, "Do you want my horse?" And I'm like, "Well, of course, because it rides." Um, she brought over this horse. It's called Lucky Bright Eyes, and it turns out that in April or May of each year that's the time if you want a baby horse that you send your horse to get a special hug from another (laughs) horse when two horses love each other very much (laughs) so anyway we wanted to see a, a lucky bright eyes lineage so we figured out who begat whom get this this is the great great granddaughter of secretariat the most famous horse in all of horse and i oh my call gosh lady up i'm late like, oh let me return your horse this is royalty like <laughs> you did not need to give me royalty you know what she said bob i knew i just wanted to surprise you <gasps> i'm like oh check that box <laughs> so here's the deal we got a baby horse on the way it's going to arrive in 45 days uh uh Lucky Bright Eyes is going to be a mom. And it's because this woman wanted to surprise me. And what if we thought that God wants to surprise us? Mm -hmm. Uh, I have a really orthodox uh, theology. I believe, like you do, that God knows everything that has happened, is happening, is going to happen. But here's the deal. The angels don't.
1: The Mm -hmm. angels
2: only know whatever God told them. Like tell Joseph he's going to be a father. Mm-hmm. I go tell Mary she's going to be a mother, right? And it's like the angels are like, no way. I can say, God say so you're like, Yahweh. So, so what if God wants to surprise you? What I would do if I was going back and I was talking to a younger Bob, the biggest lesson I've ever learned is that a God wants to blow your doors away. This isn't Bob's take on it. He wants to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever dream or imagine and while god knows how this is going to turn out the angels don't and you want to dazzle the angels lean into it like just lean into it you want to dazzle god obedience that's it that's what dazzles god every time just obedience even noah you know build an ark Get two of everything. Start with two termites. <laughs> and I just think I have that kind of obedience to say like, no. Yeah. And then I could just see the angels waiting to see how this is going to turn out. I wonder if he'll get the termites. I can't believe he got two mosquitoes. I, mean, yeah, I know. <laughs> This was our chance. Two cockroaches.
1: Yeah. <laughs> How could he? Oh, We're man. Betrayed. <laughs> oh wow. man.
2: Such a treat being with you guys. Thanks a million.
1: Thank well, thank well. you for being here. Literally, I, you just blessed our ears so much. I could listen to yes. you forever. I know our audience <laughs> will love, love just hearing the wisdom and the truth that you just poured out. So thank you so much for being here today, Bob. We appreciate it. Our audience appreciate it. And we can't, are you coming out with a new book?
2: I am. It's called Undistracted.
1: Ooh, it I'm excited! Out, for that yeah, one.
2: March first, uh, it'll come out. Uh, I was uh, uh, went to see the sunrise. And I have this little boat, and I went out into the bay, and I uh, watched the sunrise. It was glorious. And I got back, and I came up to the house where you know came up to the dock and up to the house. And I was uh, sitting by the fire and reading, and and I looked out, in another boat just like mine pulled into the San Diego Bay. And I thought, like, because it's there's not a lot of these boats around, and I got the binoculars out and I'm looking at it. It's my boat. <laughs> I got to the dock. I just got out of the boat. I didn't tie it up. I just walked <gasps> away. And this is a guy who wrote a book called Undistracted. <laughs> saying, oh my don't, God. don't buy my book. Yeah. But <laughs> I think sometimes you, sometimes you write the book you need. Mm-hmm. And I felt like there's a lot of people distracted right now. If we could get our eyes fixed on Jesus again, mm-hmm. that undistracted by all the noise that's around us and start focusing on what God's doing within us. So oh yeah.
0: Good. Well, Bob, where can people where can people buy that book? Pre-order that book. Be prepared yeah. to pre-order that yeah, book. Yeah,
2: <laughs> who knows? Probably Amazon. Who knows? Yeah, mm-hmm. or just wait a little bit. You can get it for a nickel at a used bookstore.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay. Well, actually, I will say, my husband reminded me I, we were just engaged in 2015, and. Uh, we were on I think a, a trip to Colorado with his family in like a rental, and that's the first time that I read Love Does like that because it was in the random like yes! rental house and Come on. yeah, yeah. And so then his mom got it for me for Christmas because I think I either halfway finished it on that trip before we had to leave or something like that. But Aww. that's that's funny. It's true. So, yeah.
2: Well, <laughs> great being awesome. with you guys. Thank Thanks you, Bob. We
1: appreciate you. Okay. So, I'll see have you. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. <laughs>